Book Two, Chapter Nine of The Mermaid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston. The Mermaid by Lily Dougal. Chapter Nine The Sick and the Dead. The bit of road that lay between Madame Le Maitre's house and the house allotted to Caius led, winding down a hill through a stunted fir wood. The small firs held out gnarled and knotty branches towards the road. Their needles were a dark, rich green. Down this road, Caius saw the lady come riding. Her horse was a beautiful beast, hardly more than a colt, of light make and chestnut color. She herself was not becomingly attired. She wore just the same loose black dress that she had worn in the house, and over the white cap a black hood and cloak were muffled. No doubt in ancient times, before carriages were in use, ladies rode in such feminine wrappings, but the taste of Caius had been formed upon other models. He mounted his own horse and joined her on the road without remark. He had found no saddle, only a blanket with girths, and upon this he supposed he looked quite as awkward as she did. The lady led, and they rode on across the island. Caius knew that now it was the right time to tell Madame Le Maitre what had occurred the night before and the ill usage he had suffered as she appeared to be the most important person on the island. It was right that she should know of the mysterious band of bandits upon the beach, if, indeed, she did not already know. Perhaps it was by power of these she reigned. He found himself able to conjecture almost anything. When he had quickened his horse, and come beside her for the purpose of relating his adventure, she began to speak to him at once. She told him what number of cases of illness were then on her list, six in all. She told him the number who had already died, and then they came past the cemetery upon the hillside, and she pointed out the new-made graves. It appeared that, although at that time there was an abatement in the number of cases, diphtheria had already made sad ravages among the little population, and as the winter would cause the people to shut up their houses more and more closely, it was certain to increase rather than to diminish. Then Madame Le Maitre told him of one case, and of another, in which the family bereavement seemed particularly sad. The stories she told had great detail, but they were not tedious. Caius listened and forgot that her voice was musical, or that her hood and cloak were ugly. He only thought of the actors in the short, sad idols of the island that she put before him. When they entered the first house, he discovered that she herself had been in the habit of visiting each of the sick every day as nurse, and, as far as her simple skill could go, as doctor, too. In this house it was a little child that lay ill, and as soon as Caius saw it he ceased to hope for its recovery. They used the new remedies that he had brought with him, and when he looked round for someone who could continue to apply them, he found that the mother was already dead, and the father took no charge of the child. He was not there. A half-grown boy of about fifteen was its only nurse, and he was not deft or wise, although love 
or a rude sense of conscience had kept him from deserting his post. "'When we have visited the others, I will come back and remain,' said Madame Le Maitre. So they rode on down the hill and along the shingled beach that edged a lagoon. Here the sea lapped softly, and they were sheltered from the wind. Here, too, they saw the other islands lying in the crescent they composed, and they saw the waves of the bay break on the sandbank that was the other arm of the lagoon. Still, Caius did not tell about his adventure of the night before. The lady looked preoccupied, as if she was thinking about the angel of death that was hovering over the cottage they had left. The next house was a large one, and here two children were ill. They were well cared for, for two of the young girls whom he had seen in Madame Le Maitre's house were there for the time to nurse them. They took one of these damsels with them when they went on. She was willing to walk, but Caius set her upon his horse and led it. In this way they made quicker progress. Up a hill they went, and over fields, and in a small house upon a windy slope they found the mother of a family lying very ill. Here, after Caius has said all that there was to say, and Madame Le Maitre, with skillful hands, had done all that she could do in a short time, they left the young girl. At the next and last house of their round, where the day before one child had been ill, they now found three tossing and crying with pain and fever. When it was time for them to go, Caius saw his companion silently wring her hands at the thought of leaving them, for the mother, worn out and very ignorant, was the only nurse. It did not seem that it could be helped. Caius went out to his horse, and Madame Le Maitre to hers, but he saw her stand beside it as if too absent in mind to spring to its back. Her face was looking up into the blue above. "'You are greatly troubled,' said Caius. "'Oh, yes,' her voice was low, but it came like the sound of a cry. "'I do not know what to do. "'All these months I have begged and entreated the people "'to keep away from those houses where there was illness. "'It was their only hope, and now that they begin to understand that, "'I cannot bring the healthy to nurse the sick.' even if they were willing to come. They will take no precautions as we do. It is not safe. I have tried it. She did not look at Caius. She was looking at the blue that hung over the sea, which lay beneath them, but the weariness of a long, long effort was in her tone. Could we not manage to bring them all to one house that would serve as a hospital? Now that you have come, perhaps we can, she said. But at present, she looked helplessly at the door of the house they had left. At present, I will nurse these children, Caius said. I do not need to see the others again until evening. He tied his horse in a shed and nursed the children until the moon was bright. Then, when he had left them as well as might be for the night, he set out to return on his former track by memory. The island was very peaceful. On field or hill or shore, he met no one, except here and there a plodding fisherman, who gave him good evening, without apparently knowing or caring who he was. 
the horse they knew no doubt that was enough he made the same round as before beginning at the other end at the house where the woman was ill the girl who was nursing her remained at the next house the young girl who was dressed for the road ingenuously claimed his protection for her homeward way i will go with you monsieur it will be more safe for me so he put her on his horse but they did not talk to one another at the third house they found madame le maitre weeping passionately over a dead baby and the lout of a boy weeping with her it surprised caius to feel suddenly that he could almost have wept too and yet he believed that the child was better dead someone had been out into the winter fields and gathered the small white everlasting flowers that were still waving there and twined them in the curls of the baby's hair and strewed them upon the meagre gray sheet that covered it when they rode down to the village they were all quite silent caius felt as if he had lived a long time upon this island his brain was full of plans for a hospital and for disinfecting the furniture of the houses he visited the good man in whose barn he had slept the preceding night he went to his little house and fed himself and his horse he discovered his portmanteus that o'shea had promised to deliver and found that their contents had not been tampered with but even this did not bring his mind back with great interest to the events of the former night he was thinking of other things and yet he hardly knew of what he was thinking end of chapter nine recording by jill preston of jillpreston.com